Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Pastor Eli James, along with Dan from Georgia, and uh, this is Genesis to Revelation, April 17, 2021, and we're going to continue our story of Joseph in Egypt, and we were in the big, uh, in the midst of Genesis 39, where Joseph is confronted by Potiphar's wife, but first we want to get a little bit of historical introduction going because uh, the more, uh, because thanks to computerization of uh, languages, uh, the transcription or translation rather of various ancient documents has uh, really been increased. It's much easier now, thanks to computers, to uh, you know, analyze ancient texts and get uh, figure out their languages and translate them. Okay. And so we, we see this happening uh, with ancient Egypt. The, uh, the records have been uh, translated by scholars, and uh, we're getting more and more information. So, and uh, the, what I've been hearing actually for many years now is that Joseph and Imhotep are one and the same person. Now, Joseph was given many titles, and the pharaohs had numerous titles you know, uh, you know, Lord of the Flies, you know, Lord of the uh, of the uh, Chariots, and things like that. They would give themselves many titles to um, you know, up the ante of their importance. Okay, so the same thing happened to Joseph. He was given many titles. What uh, uh, and the, the even the uh, what is it? The pyramid, Joser, that uh, was built uh, near where uh, Imhotep's tomb was. It sounds like Joseph, you know, <laughs> Joser. So uh, it just remains for the scholars to make comparisons and get all this stuff right. Uh, up until recently, the Egyptologists have been just guessing. They misplace the uh, time frame of the pharaohs and the Israel uh, exodus, etc., etc. Basically, they've gotten all that wrong throughout history because they hate the Bible and have no interest in verifying biblical archaeology, right? Well, now, thanks to computers, uh, they have no choice. They have to get this stuff right, uh, otherwise, uh, you know, they'll fall behind the times. Anyway, so we have this article, Could Joseph and Imhotep Have Been the Same Person? Feature article, Imhotep and Joseph are the same person. If you want to pick it up, uh, we'll read a couple of the sections. It's a pretty long <laughs> article. But we'll do the introduction and uh, a little bit more about Joseph later on. Okay? Pick it up. Okay. Okay. This article looks at the person of Joseph, son of Jacob, in the Bible, and whether or not there is any non-biblical Egyptian historical or archaeological evidence of his existence. Joseph is responsible for saving Egypt from a seven-year famine and may have built the massive underground silos that can be found in many cities of Egypt. In particular, he may have built the silos associated with the first pyramid built in Egypt, the Step Pyramid, which is part of the Djoser Pyramid Complex at Saqqara, designed by Imhotep. There are many similarities between the profile of Joseph and Imhotep. Imhotep is also credited with saving Egypt from a seven-year famine after hearing of the Pharaoh's dream. Imhotep, like Joseph, was a commoner with some divine connection and was placed second in charge of Egypt by the king. Okay, Net let me just Jericho. ask. Yeah, let me just. Yeah, yeah. Net Jericho. Yeah, very good. 
uh, okay. how mm-hmm. many how many people could possibly have, have interpreted the Pharaoh's dream about seven years drought and seven years famine? I mean, I'm sorry, seven years plenty and seven years famine. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many times could this possibly have happened in Egypt's history, right? So if these uh, events are credited to Imhotep, the, which is the Egyptian Joseph, then uh, who else could it possibly be? And there's, there's only one record of any such thing happening, the one in the Bible and the one in Egypt. We would expect those two to complement each other. And uh, they just use different names because Joseph had an Egyptian name that the Egyptians used. And, of course, he had an Israelite name that the Israelites used. And the stories are so similar. They're too similar to be coincidence. Back to you. Joseph bought up all the land for Pharaoh by selling the grain he had stored during the seven years that preceded the famine, a feat that can only have been performed once early in Egypt's history and explained how the Pharaohs became so powerful and able to build the pyramids. Given that Joseph was one of the patriarchs of Israel and figures very early in the biblical record, less than a thousand years after the flood of Noah, it is quite possible that he may have figured in the early parts of Egyptian history, namely the third dynasty of Pharaoh Djoser. Until recently, the most compelling argument against Joseph and Amatet being the same person has been the discrepancy between the estimated times during which they lived. In the last 50 years, evidence has accumulated to suggest that Egyptian dynasties may overlap and may not date back as far as was once thought. Egyptian records are not chronological. Furthermore, the pyramids were probably constructed much later than many historians have estimated. In this modern alignment of the Egyptian dynasties is correct. It is highly unlikely that Joseph and Amatep were the same person. Well, it is highly likely, not unlikely. It is high, I'm sorry. It is highly likely that yeah. Joseph and Amatep were the same person. And Egyptian history would be consistent with the Bible. There you go. And they should be. Yeah. If it can be generally accepted that Joseph and Imhotep were the same person, this would give historians an anchor in history to, in order to further correlate the history of Egypt, Israel, and Mesopotamia. Biblical references to Joseph. References to Joseph can be found in the book of Genesis in the Holy Bible, the Torah, and the Koran. These are the holy scriptures of the Christian faith, Judaism, and Islam, respectively. The story of Joseph is told in Genesis chapters 37 through 50. Genesis is the first book of the Bible, and no biblical scholars would dispute the historical nature of this part of the book. Any suggestion that Joseph was a symbolic, mythical, or a fictional character would be deeply offensive to these religions. Yes, especially to Christians. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. After the flood and the dispersion of Babel, people spread out over all the earth. Terah set out from Ur of the Chaldeans with his son Abraham to go to Canaan, but stopped at Haran. This is where Abraham was called by God. God promised to make him into a great nation and to bless all nations through him. God made a covenant with Abraham and promised him the land of Canaan, which his descendants would take possession of after serving as slaves in a foreign land for 400 years. Abraham was to become the father of many nations centered around the Middle East as we know it today. He had Ishmael, the Ishmaelites, to Hagar, his wife's maidservant. 
Ishmael became the patriarch of the Islamic religion. Then at the age of 100, Abraham had Isaac to his wife, Sarah. It was to be through Isaac that God will fulfill his promise to Abraham, and so Ishmael was sent away. Okay, hold on, hold on. Uh, the, the previous statement, Ishmael became the patriarch of the Islamic religion, that's not correct. <laughs> Ishmael had nothing to do with Islam. He was the patriarch of the Ishmaelites, who very much later in history became known as Arabs after you know mixing with uh uh, non-Israelite, uh, non-Ishmaelite people, or non-Hebrew people, because he was in fact a Hebrew, uh, had nothing to do, Ishmael had nothing to do with the Islamic religion. <laughs> That's just a misstatement there. Back to you. Isaac married Rebekah, who bore Esau, the Edomites, and Jacob, the Israelites. Abraham had a third wife, Keturah, who bore many children who were sent to the Middle East and became fathers of nations there too. Jacob eventually bore 12 sons and a daughter. The 11th son was Joseph. Joseph was the first son of Rachel, who was Jacob's second wife. Jacob had an encounter with God one night and was renamed Israel. His descendants, uh, this is incorrect, the Jews. Right. Israelites. <laughs> the Israel should be the Israelites became the nation of Israel, from which comes Judaism. Incorrect. No. That's also incorrect, yes. Okay. Yeah. Out of which came Christ, Christianity. Hey, he's got it right. <laughs> he's one for three. Yeah, right. <laughs> With whom God will fulfill his promise to Abraham. Okay. In the biblical account, Genesis chapters 37 through 50, Joseph was the firstborn son of Rachel, who was Jacob's second wife. Jacob, Israel, favored Joseph over his other children. Joseph had a dream that one day he would rule over his brothers. His brothers became jealous of him and so sold him to slave traders who took him to Egypt. He was subsequently sold to Potiphar in Egypt as a slave and was subsequently wrongfully imprisoned. It was in prison where he, became, where he came to the attention of Pharaoh through his cupbearer who informed Pharaoh of Joseph's ability to interpret dreams by the power of God. Pharaoh needed counsel about his own dreams and was not able to find anybody from his own kingdom to help. Joseph was able to tell Pharaoh the meaning of his dreams, which foretold of a coming famine lasting seven years, but preceded by seven years of abundance. Pharaoh made Joseph second in charge over all his kingdom. During the seven years of abundance, Joseph was able to build silos in every city and store enough grain to feed the nation during the seven years of famine that followed. Okay, now this is a huge project, an absolutely huge project to build all these <laughs> silos in various parts of Egypt. And, uh, you know, the, the evidence, uh, you know, we've featured documentaries showing movies of these existing silos in Egypt. Okay, so there's no doubt that the biblical account is true. And anybody who denies that Joseph was a real person or that the uh, stay of the Israelites in Egypt is, is a fiction, I mean, that's all nonsense. Uh, the Bible is still being attacked by you know, people who just don't want to believe the Bible is true history, okay? And, uh, and the Jews make up a lot of fiction and stuff about uh, the Bible as well. So there's, uh, there's no doubt that all of these stories are absolutely true. And we're still, uh, archaeologists are still figuring these things out and coming up with better and better information. So uh, let's uh, at least one more section here, Joseph's achievement 
in uh, in Egypt, and <clears throat> is Joseph likely to have figured in Egyptian? Well, of course he was. <laughs> of course he would figure it in Egyptian records. Okay, back to you. When Joseph was 30 years old, Pharaoh put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Pharaoh gave Joseph his signet ring, dressed him in fine linen, and put a gold chain around his neck. He was given a chariot to ride around Egypt as second in command. Joseph name, Joseph's name was changed to Zaphanath, Panea, and he was given a wife, Asenath, who was the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On. During the seven years of abundance, Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain in each city from the fields surrounding them. He had two sons, two Asenath, Manasseh, and Ephraim. Joseph saved Egypt and Canaan by selling the, the, by selling the people grain during the seven-year famine. When the people had run out of money, Joseph bought their livestock. When they had run out of livestock, he bought the land titles. Joseph bought up all of the land in Egypt for Pharaoh. The priests did not have to sell their land as Pharaoh gave them a supply of food. Joseph's family were saved. Jacob, Israel, and his 11 other sons, along with their wives and servants, were invited by Pharaoh to come and live in Egypt. They settled in Ramses and became numerous in number. Jacob dies and is afforded an Egyptian burial after blessing his children and those of Joseph. Joseph reassures his brothers after Jacob's death. Eventually, Joseph dies at the age of 110 and is given an Egyptian-style burial as well. After 430 years passed, the Israelites numbered over 2 million. They were eventually led out of Egypt by Moses through the Red Sea, also known as the Exodus. Yes. If Joseph was placed second in charge by, of Egypt by Pharaoh, there should be some note of this in Egyptian records. Joseph helped to save Egypt and the surrounding nations from a famine lasting seven years. Joseph would have had to construct massive grain silos for storing grain in many Egyptian cities. And indeed, massive silos can be found in many historical significant Egyptian cities today. Example, Saqqara. Joseph married the daughter of one of the high priests of e in Egypt. He saved his country from a seven-year famine and bought up all the land of Egypt except for that of the priests who did not sell their land because Pharaoh supplied them with food. The people became loyal subjects of Pharaoh because of what Joseph had done. Joseph was, therefore, responsible for making the Pharaohs wealthy and powerful. Yes, he was. Mm -hmm. Joseph served the Pharaohs from the age of 30. He died at the age of 110 years of age and was given a royal Egyptian burial. It is quite possible that he may have been involved with the design of the first and maybe the second pyramid. His family... The descendants of Jacob Israel produced mud, mud bricks and became numerous in, num, in number in the 430 years that they lived in Egypt. There were over 600,000 adult males, not counting women and children, who were led out of Egypt by Moses during a time of great disaster in Egypt. With a list of accomplishments like this, it would be hard to concede that Joseph would not be mentioned in Egyptian hieroglyphics or memorialized some other way yes okay before going to the next section i uh, just want to comment here that there was a, a a strong relationship also between the egyptian pharaohs uh, and their military 
and the Canaanites, namely the Egyptians held the Canaanites in tribute. And uh, so the this is this relationship is spelled out in the Amarna letters, by which the various Egyptian, uh, I'm sorry, the Canaanite chieftains would write letters to the pharaohs uh, about the troubles they were experiencing locally. Either and later on, after the Exodus, they would write letters to the pharaohs about uh, being uh, attacked by Israelites. Okay, this is actually more proof of the relationship between the pharaohs you know, and Egypt in general with the biblical account. And so the Tel El Amarna letters prove conclusively that the, uh, the pharaohs had uh, tributary control over the Canaanites at this time, yet were unable to provide military assistance to the Canaanites, which the Canaanites were fully expecting. Why? Because Egypt had been virtually destroyed by the seven last plagues, okay? So Egypt was unable to provide assistance to the Canaanites, thus leaving the country open to Israelite invasion, okay? The Tel El Amarna letters prove this. All right, back to you. Where does Joseph fit into Egyptian history? Estimates of dates have long been the common denominator used by archaeologists and historians alike when trying to piece together ancient history. Various teams of archaeologists have used a number of different dating methods to estimate estimate how old a particular artifact is. For example, the type of pottery that is predominant in a layer can be used to date the layer. Assumptions behind various dating techniques are not always right. This can sometimes lead to artifacts being incorrectly dated by as much as 1,000 to 2,000 years. If history is pieced together based upon based only upon the estimated dates of particular dynasties, the results can be quite erroneous, and it will be little wonder why Egyptian and Hebrew history does not fit together, and why no Egyptian equivalent of Joseph has been found using the dates traditionally ascribed to various Egyptian dynasties. An increasing number of historians are now calling into question the dates of Egyptian dynasties, in particular Sweeney, Velikovsky, Fry, Riley, Ashton, and Down. Using their revised dating system, the historical records of Israel and Egypt fit together much better, and it is possible to identify like, likely correlates and contemporaries of important biblical characters. Okay, and I would say, again, the, uh, the recent translations of the Tel El Amarna letters prove conclusively that uh, the Canaanites were in you know, uh, correspondence with the pharaohs uh, during the uh, attacks uh, against the Canaanites by the Israelites, and that's what they were complaining about. Okay, so uh, th- that, that episode uh, of the Tel El Amarna letters proves conclusively you know, that the uh, Egyptian pharaohs and the Israelites uh, were contemporaneous, and the story of Joseph has to fit uh, just shortly before this era. Kelly, back to you. Conventional wisdom, which has been very reliant on dating methods, has been unable to find any evidence that the patriarchs of Israel lived in Egypt and have not found any possible candidates for Joseph because they are looking for evidence of him in the Hyksos dynasty, which is estimated to have been around 1700 B.C., according to conventional chronology. 
As a result, conventional wisdom states that Joseph and other biblical figures were minor figures in Egypt that were not noteworthy enough to have been memorialized in their hieroglyphic records and other monuments that have been uncovered. Modern thinking using the revised chronology results in much clearer picture with the history of with the history, Israel and Egypt lining up and matching archaeological records. Abraham is considered to be a contemporary of minutes. Amatep is considered to be the Joseph of the Bible, and Joser is considered to be the Pharaoh that he served. Okay, very good. Now it's starting. Uh, everything's starting to fall into place, okay? This would fit with the theory that Amenhet III was Pharaoh of Moses, who oppressed the Israelites making them mud bricks, making them make mud bricks. Also a note is that the pyramid of Amenhet III was made of mud bricks containing straw. Huh, interesting. I didn't know that. Okay. Amenhet III was the sixth pharaoh of the 12th dynasty and lived 450 to 500 years after Pharaoh Djoser in the third dynasty. He had only daughters who had a son, Amenhet IV, who disappeared before he could become king. It has been suggested that Amenhet IV was Moses. Very interesting. Okay, or he might have been uh, the firstborn son of Pharaoh who died, was uh, smitten by the plague, by the curse. Okay, so that's why, and that's another reason why Egypt was uh, in chaos after the seven last plagues, because the 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 son who was to take the place of the current pharaoh was killed by the curse okay the firstborn son so there was chaos regarding who would be his successor back to you the exodus took place during the reign of neferhotep the first during the 13th dynasty in 1455 bc he was the only pharaoh of that dynasty interesting okay the hyksos 15th and 16th dynasties which were contemporary with Joshua and the judges, came to an end when King Saul destroyed the Amalekites. Dynasty 17 was contemporary with Dynasty 16. Amenhotep and Thutmosis I of the 18th dynasty were contemporaries of David. Hatshepsut was the queen of Sheba who visited Solomon. Thutmosis III came to power during the reign of Jeroboam and became the greatest pharaoh of Egypt. Okay, all right, so I think that this should suffice uh, to show that the, the history of Imhotep and Joseph are pretty much the same, and uh, the likelihood that this, uh, this episode of seven years of plenty and seven years of famine occurring twice in Egypt's history is extremely unlikely and that uh, the, therefore Joseph and Imhotep are in fact the same person. Okay. Now the other thing to keep in mind that uh, archaeologists have discovered <laughs> is a lot of these dynasties are contemporaneous and actually in competition with each other in uh, being seated in various different parts of Egypt, you know, like southern Egypt and of course uh, the uh, uh, the area of Goshen and uh, where the Nile River dumps into the Mediterranean Sea. So that, uh, and then there's sometimes they had three or more dynasties ruling at the same time in various parts of Egypt. And so 
isn't a clear one you know one dynasty leading to another but several dynasties existing at the same time okay so this is another aspect of egyptian history that is becoming clear okay given all this information and uh, this article goes into greater detail about the uh, imhotep and joseph uh, so it's very much uh, worth reading again this is joseph and israel uh, in egypt.wordpress.com joseph and israel in egypt.wordpress.com okay and uh, this is just one article uh, of the many in this in this website here okay i think uh, given this information we can go back to genesis chapter 39 we just uh, we just came across potiphar's wife and uh, so uh, rather than uh, start in the middle, let's start uh, Genesis 39.1. And this is the whole story of Joseph and Potiphar's wife. Okay. All right. Chapter 39. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had bought him, brought him down thither. And Yahweh was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that Yahweh was with him and that Yahweh made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight and he served him and he made him overseer of his house and all that he had put into his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that Yahweh blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of Yahweh was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. And he knew not aught he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph. And she said, lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master would not, would have not what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I. Neither has he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. <laughs> yeah. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Okay, so very interesting. Now, if, uh, if you look at all the Egyptian records... And there's hundreds and thousands of Egyptian records still available to us today. All of the pharaohs were white. It's very clear. Their, their visages, their profiles, their, their straight uh, face shots, they're all white. And the, the, more, the more they reveal from Egypt, the more you realize that their faces were Caucasian. They had Caucasian features. There was only one dynasty, so-called, that uh, was led by blacks, and that was very late. I think it was even after the uh, the Greek pharaohs uh, ruled, okay, when Egypt totally collapsed, totally collapsed. That was the only time they had any black pharaohs. And all of the mm -hmm. records, and you know, so it's very obvious that the language was very similar. You know, they, they call it... Uh, um, uh, well, uh, Hebrew, and I forget what the uh, Hebrew uh, Semitic uh, or ha 
Hamido-Semitic. That's what they called it, Hamido-Semitic. Which, well, since Ham and, and Shem were brothers, they would have spoken the same language in the household, obviously, right? So Hamitic and Semitic are closely related languages. Of course, if your family separates, you develop different dialects. And so, but by this time, the dialects could not have possibly diverged too much. So that we're talking that the Pharaoh and Joseph pretty much spoke the same language. And the Canaanites, too, spoke a similar language. It would have to be a dialect of Hebrew because they had so much going commerce between and also with the Hittites, you know, Abraham and the Hittites and uh, the, uh, the Philistines, okay, the uh, Philistines were Hamites. So they would have had a very similar language and could have understand each other without much problem, okay? So it's very clear that Hamido-Semitic is the Adamic language spoken by the patriarchs. So... Even in uh, Egypt, there was the House of An, which, according to Dr. Wesley Swift, was none other than Enoch. And that priesthood was was there in Egypt because, why? Well, because they were brothers. (laughs) They were kindred. Uh, And so that priesthood, and the story is from other sources that many of the uh, Egyptian buildings, including some of the uh, pyramids were built by Adam, Seth, and Enoch, and uh, designed by Enoch, and also you know, other uh, records such as the the uh, original zodiac was designed by Adam, Seth, and Enoch, and that zodiac was written in order to prophesy the life of Christ. The very first uh, asterism being uh, Virgo and a reference to the Virgin Mary, and the last one being Leo, which is the Lion of Judah. So the original Zodiac was written with the life of Christ in mind. So all of these connections between Adam, Seth, Enoch, the Egyptians, and the Israelites are very clear once you understand this is all real history, all of these places did exist, and all these people did exist. It's undeniable now. I mean, archaeology is proving that all of these things actually happened, and all the naysayers are out to lunch, okay? So, uh, and so Potiphar's wife was a real person, absolutely a real person, and uh, so uh, since she is unnamed, um, there is, I, I did a, uh, a search, and uh, her, her name is Zuleika. Z-U-L-E-I-K-A, according to some Jewish and some Muslim records. And I'm finding that uh, the Quran actually has very interesting stuff in it because it's partially incorporating the Old Testament. And Muslim scholars have very interesting comments about it. For example, some Muslim uh, commentators say that uh, the sin of Adam and Eve was to uncover their genitals, their genitals, okay? That's two seed line, folks. So there may be more in the Quran that, uh, that is worthy of uh, investigation than I had previously realized. Anyway, from this one site here, DLIB, I'll put the, uh, I'll put the link in the chat room real quick. There's not much information here, but the, the information that's given here is very interesting. 
I'm just going to quote, and it has a quote from Josephus as well. And it says here, And Abraham lived with the Egyptian priests in Heliopolis, which is the same as An. Heliopolis and An are the same place. Teaching them many things. And he introduced astrology, it should be astronomy, and other sciences to them, saying that the Babylonians and he himself discovered them, but he traced the discovery to Enoch. And he, Enoch, was the first to discover astronomy. It should, I mean, it says astrology here, but it should be uh, astronomy, not astrology, not the Egyptians. Now, further down, he quotes uh, Josephus on the same subject. That is, Abraham communicated to them arithmetic and delivered to them the science of astronomy. For before Abraham came into Egypt, there were they were unacquainted with those parts of learning. For that science came from the Chaldeans into Egypt and from thence to the Greeks also. So, And, and we concluded that the Chaldeans were the descendants of Arphaxad. This is, of course, after the flood. So, we, again, the connection between Arphaxad, Abraham, the Hebrews, and the Egyptians are t- fundamentally close. Fundamentally close, and this is undeniable, and m- much closer than we have previously realized. Okay, back to you. All right, <clears throat> verse 10. And it came to pass, as she spake to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men of the house there within. And she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. And it came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth, that she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, See, he has brought in a Hebrew unto us to mock us. He came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. Okay, rape, rape, rape. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Me too, hashtag me too. (laughs) Crazy. And it came to pass when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. And she laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home. And she spake unto him according to these words saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came in unto me to mock me. And it came to pass, as I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled out. And it came to pass, when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. But Yahweh was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison, and whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. So everywhere that Joseph went, he was elevated to to a position of favor. Okay? Even though, uh, because he, why? Because he was righteous. So no matter how many trials and tribulations, of course, his brothers threw him into the ditch after wanting to kill him, but they changed their minds and figured, that, well, maybe he'll just uh, die in there. But then he was taken to Egypt. Okay, obviously, the father had all this planned out. But nevertheless, Joseph is still being tried uh, 
you know, he has to yeah. re- retain his righteousness for all of these prophecies to be fulfilled, and he did so. Okay, back to you. Yeah, he's been through a lot. He was yeah, oh, man. a lot of yeah. trials and tribulations that he really didn't deserve. <laughs> That's right, yeah. And uh, uh, and most of us in Christianity, true Christianity, uh, we go through trials and tribulations that we feel we don't deserve, <laughs> right? But mm-hmm. if we remain righteous, we're brought through them and are elevated. Okay? Yeah. That that's the start. that that's how we're uh, it's we would be tried in the fire, okay? The refiner's that's how fire. We, yeah, that's how we prove our worth. That's exactly right. Okay. Yeah. Verse twenty three: The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, because Yahweh was with him, and that which he did, Yahweh made it to prosper. Okay. So uh, again, uh, Joseph, uh, from the time he was cast into that pit. Uh, he's elevated from one position to another, yet not without tribulation. Constant tribulation uh, until uh, you know, actually even the, the uh, uh, you know, once he finally tries to bring his brothers into Egypt, the, the tribulation there was the, the, the seven years of plague. Okay, But uh, being a second in command of Egypt made him a very, actually the most powerful person because it's the the pharaoh just left everything in his hands okay <laughs> right that's how much he trusted him so would the pharaoh of egypt trust a black person <laughs> to do this stuff <laughs> i don't think so folks all right genesis chapter 40 chapter 40 and it came to pass after these things that the butler of the king of egypt and his baker had offended their lord the king of egypt and pharaoh was was wroth against two of his officers against the chief of the butlers and against the chief of the bakers. And he put them in ward in the house of the captain of the guard, into the prison, the place where Joseph was bound. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them, and they continued a season in ward. And they dreamed a dream, both of them, each man his dream in one night, each man according to the interpretation of his dream, the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, which were bound in the prison. And Joseph came in unto them in the morning and looked upon them, and behold, they were sad. And he asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of his Lord's house, saying, Wherefore look ye so sadly today? And they said unto him, We have dreamed a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. And Joseph said unto them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me them, I pray you. And the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said to him, In my dream, behold, a vine was before me, and in the vine were three branches. And it was as though it budded, and her blossoms shot forth. And the clusters thereof brought forth ripe grapes. And Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup. And I gave the cup unto into Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said unto him, This is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thine hand, thine head, and restore thee unto thy place. And thou shalt deliver Pharaoh's cup into his hand after the former manner when thou wast his butler. But think on me when it shall be well with thee, and show kindness, I pray thee, unto me, and make mention of me unto Pharaoh, 
and bring me out of this house. Okay, so Joseph had to interpret the butler's dreams before he could even get into Pharaoh's house to interpret Pharaoh's dreams. Okay, back to you. For indeed, I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews. And here also have I done nothing that they should put me into the dungeon. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he said unto Joseph, I also was in my dream. And behold, I had three white baskets on my head. And in the uppermost basket, there was of all manner of, of baked meats for Pharaoh. And the birds did eat them out of the basket upon my head. And Joseph answered and said, this is the interpretation thereof. The three baskets are three days. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thy head from off thee and shall hang thee on a tree. <laughs> and the birds shall boy. eat thy flesh from off, oh, tree, boy. off thee. Wow. Well, how would you like to hear that interpretation? Yeah, brutal interpretation. Yep. Okay. <laughs> and it came to pass the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast unto all his servants. And he lifted up the head of the chief butler and of the chief baker among his servants. And he restored the chief butler unto his butlership again, and he gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker, as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. Oh, no. How could you forget me? <laughs> yeah. Okay, next chapter. Next chapter 41. And it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed. And behold, he stood by the river and behold, there came up out of the river seven well-favored kind and fat-fleshed and they fed in a meadow and behold, seven other kind came up after them out of the river, ill-favored and lean-fleshed and stood by the other kind upon the brink of the river and the ill-favored and lean-fleshed kind did eat up the seven well-favored and fat kind. So Pharaoh awoke. And he slept and dreamed the second time. And behold, seven ears of corn came up upon one stalk, rank and good. And behold, seven thin ears and blasted with the east wind sprung up after them. And the seven thin ears devoured the seven rank and full ears. And Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. And it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled. And he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all the wise men thereof. And Pharaoh told them his dream, but there was none that could interpret them unto Pharaoh. Then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my faults this day. Pharaoh was wroth with his servants, and he put me in ward in the captain of the guard's house, both me and the chief baker. And we dreamed a dream in one night, I and he. We dreamed each man according to the interpretation of his dream. And there was none, and there was there with us a young man, a Hebrew, servant of the captain of the guard. And we told him, and he interpreted to us our dreams. Each To each man, according to his dream, he did interpret. And it came to pass, as he interpreted to us, so it was. Me he restored unto mine office, and him he hanged. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon. And he shaved himself and changed his raiment, and came in unto Pharaoh. Okay, so here uh, Joseph had to wait a whole two years for uh, the butler to uh, uh, remember him, okay? Wow. But, but of course, 
it had to do, it had to wait two years because, well, the Pharaoh would have said, well, what's the big deal? <laughs> right? So he interpreted your dream. But now the timing was perfect. The timing of his remembering mm-hmm. that that dream is perfect. Back to you. Verse 15. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it. And I have heard say of thee that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer in peace. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, In my dream, behold, I stood up upon the bank of the river. And behold, there came up out of the river seven kind, fat-fleshed and well-favored. And they fed in a meadow. And behold, seven other kind came up after them, poor and very ill-favored and lean-fleshed such as I never saw in all the land of Egypt for badness. And the lean and the ill-favored kind did eat up the first seven fat kind. And when they had eaten them up, it could not be known that they had eaten them, but they were still ill-favored as at the beginning. So I awoke, and I saw in my dream, and behold, seven ears came up in one stalk, full and good. And behold, seven ears, withered, thin, and blasted with the east wind, sprung up after them. And the thin ears devoured the seven good ears. And I told this unto the magicians, but there was none that could declare it to me. And Joseph said unto Pharaoh, The dream of Pharaoh is one. God has showed Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good kind are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dream is one. And the seven thin and ill-favored kind that came up after them are seven years. And the seven empty ears blasted with the east wind shall be seven years of famine. This is the thing which I have spoken unto Pharaoh. What God is about to do, he showeth unto Pharaoh. But there come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt. And there shall arise after them seven years of famine. And all the plenty shall be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and all the famine shall consume the land. And the plenty shall not be known in the land by reason of that famine following, for it shall be very grievous. And for that the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice. It is because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. Now therefore let Pharaoh look out a man discreet and wise, and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this, and let him appoint officers over the land, and take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years. Okay, so this, you know, would this be a considered arrogant of Joseph to do, to suggest to Pharaoh, well, put me in charge, and I'll, and I'll organize it, okay? Well, he didn't say put him in charge, he said put yeah, a man in right, charge. Right, right. How is this really much different than the encounter between Jacob and Esau, where Esau came in uh, thirsty and hungry and, uh, and said, give me some of that porridge. And Jacob said, well, okay, uh, yeah, uh, how about uh, selling me your birthright for this pot of mess of pottage? And Esau, yeah, sure. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Was Jacob being nasty and, uh, you know, uh, evil for for making that suggestion no i don't yeah, think so. no no well you saw didn't have to accept it right uh, J- yeah jacob probably would have given it to him anyway mm-hmm. right 
So yeah, I mean, he didn't yeah. twist his arm to make. No, he didn't. <laughs> so how is Jacob the bad guy for uh, for suggesting it? Okay, well, here Joseph is suggesting something to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh considers this and said, "Well, yeah, sounds like a good idea to me." <laughs> okay, back to you. Mm -hmm. Verse thirty-five, and let them gather all the food of those good years that come, and lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh, and let them keep food in the cities. And that food shall be for store to the land against the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land perish not through the famine. And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this is, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, for as much as God has showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according to thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. Okay. And he made him to ride in the second chariot, which he had. And they cried before him, bowed the knee, and he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. So uh, the day before, or the night before, he was still in prison, <laughs> you know, in, a, in a dungeon, mm -hmm. a dark, dingy dungeon, and the next day elevated to second in command of Egypt. How about that? That's quite an elevation. Yeah, and I think this is instructive of those of us in Israel who anticipate the coming of the kingdom because that's how we will be elevated in the coming of the kingdom. We'll have uh, immortal bodies, and we will feel no more pain, no more anguish, no more suffering, etc., etc., and we will be given do the dominion that was intended for Adam and Eve when they were first created, okay, or first begotten by Yahweh, okay? So... All of this stuff is a lesson for us because when the kingdom comes, we will be elevated just as, as Joseph was here in Egypt. Back to you. Verse 44. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zaphnath-Paana, and he gave him to wife Asenath, the daughter of Pharaoh, priest of On. And Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. And Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. And in the plenteous years, and in the, all, and in the seven plenteous years, the earth brought forth by handfuls. Okay, so he, again, this is—I think there's the one and only reference to the uh, Potiphera, priest of An, not to be confused with Potiphar, the uh, lord of the house that uh, Joseph was uh, servant to. Okay, so two different personages, and uh, as we discussed earlier, it's the priest of An uh, or Heliopolis was quite likely uh, the remnant of the priesthood of Enoch that still existed in Egypt at this time. Back to you. Verse 47. I think I've got it. And yeah. in the seven plenteous years, the earth brought forth by handfuls. 
Verse 48, and he gathered up all the food of the seven years, which were in the land of Egypt, and laid up the food in the cities. The food of the field, which was round about every city, laid he up in the same. And Joseph gathered corn as the sand of the sea, very much, until he left numbering, for it was without number. And unto Joseph were born two sons before the years of the famine came, which Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On, bare unto him. And Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. For God, said he, hath made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. Okay, so the name Manasseh means forgetfulness, but it's all a forgetfulness in the good sense. You forget about your pain and suffering and just remember the good times. <laughs> okay, all right. Verse 52, and the name of the second called he Ephraim. For God, God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Now, isn't it interesting that uh, America is the land of plenty and the land of forgetful people? So we America, forget our heritage. Yeah, right. Forgot our heritage, etc., etc. And of course, this is true of all of Israel. But uh, and but Ephraim became the uh, son of the birthright, meaning he gets the double portion, and. That's why I believe America is Ephraim. We we far outnumber, you know, in in descendants and in plenty, you know, harvests, etc. Uh, far outnumber the British. But I don't I don't like to make a, a direct comparison. Uh, I simply like to say that Ephraim and Manasseh are the English-speaking tribes of Israel because we we're always to the west of the other tribes. Here they were born. Ephraim and Manasseh were born to the west of the uh, t other tribes. And, of course, our nations, Britain and America, and all these uh, sub-nations, you know, Australia, Canada, New Zealand, etc., even South Africa, are, uh, although they weren't English-speaking until recently, the English-speaking tribes of Israel uh, descend from Ephraim and Manasseh. Back to you. Verse 53. And the seven years of plenteousness that was in the land of Egypt were in ended, and the seven years of dearth began to come, according as Joseph had said. And the dearth was in all lands, but in all the land of Egypt there was bread. And when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. And Pharaoh said unto all the Egyptians, Go unto Joseph, what he saith to you, do. And the famine was over all the face of the earth. And Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold unto the Egyptians, and the famine waxed sore in the land of Egypt. And all countries came into Egypt to Joseph for to buy corn, because that the famine was so sore in all lands. Okay, so there are uh, some secular historians, uh, usually even white nationalists, who claim that Joseph was uh, evil in the fact that you know he, he sold all this grain to the people coming in from the famine, okay? Well, uh, you know, what, what are they supposed to do? You know, they, they spent a lot of money to construct all these silos, right, and to prepare for the, for the famine. And uh, you know, so, uh, but this was all part of Joseph's elevation. Y Yahweh intended to elevate Joseph, and this was part of it, okay? And, and of course, his own brothers and father and mother <laughs> were, came to Egypt to buy food from him. And, of course, he gave it to them for free. 
okay, because they were his family, but uh, it was Pharaoh's instructions, you know, sell, and they didn't sell at price gouging prices, right? They went back to their land and were able to grow food on their own land and continue life as normal after the famine was over, okay? It, it elevated Egypt to collect all this money, but they were not, they didn't make slaves out of the people who came to buy food, so that accusation against Joseph is completely false, okay? But these are a kind of stories circulating because uh, this is these are kind of stories circulated by people who think the Old Testament is about the Jews, and of course they know the Jews created communism, and so think falsely believing that Joseph was a quote unquote Jew, they think well he must be he must have been evil and he did all this for evil purposes. No, he was following Yahweh's plan. And through all all this affliction, he he came to be elevated, all right. And this is uh, the story of our people. Wherever we go, we we get thrown out of one country after another. But then when when we uh, well actually it was just uh, Yahweh expelling the ten northern tribes into Europe, and we made Europe into a paradise. Okay. And then when there's a war, we have to migrate away from the war. We, we build another paradise, and the, uh, and the Edomites follow us wherever we go. Yeah, Once, yeah okay. Uh, so that's history. It's the history of our people migrating from one place to another and then making a paradise out of the place that we settle in. And the Jews following us, uh, according to Genesis 3.15, they shall eat our dust following us wherever we go and destroying what we build, thus forcing us to migrate again, okay? That's history since Genesis 3.15. It's, it's very clear to us two seed liners that that is what history is all about. And that's what the Bible is all about, this conflict between the two seed lines, okay? And so, and, uh, so right now, this is a period of elevation for Joseph and, of course, they're going to suffer later when they start disobeying Yahweh's laws later on, as we'll find out in the upcoming chapters. Okay? So, I think we did justice to this whole story here today, uh, Dan. Thanks for yep. uh, uh, being the narrator. And uh, we'll pick this up next week, okay? Sounds good. See you next uh, week. See you then. Okay, folks, thanks for listening. Praise Yahweh, pass the ammunition. See you next time. <laughs>